I'm wearing a shirt this morning that says, Love all, serve all. Jesus, when he was speaking to his disciples, um, he at one point said that we were supposed to love the Lord our God with all our heart, all our mind, all our soul, all our strength, and then love our neighbor as ourselves. And later on he said that if you wanted to be great in the kingdom of God, he said that the greatest among you would be a servant to all. So over the next few weeks, what we want to do is we're going we're gonna to have a series that looks at the early church, how they operated, and how they practically engaged with their community. And we're going to look at these principles of love all, serve all that they, that they applied and see how that was used by God to radically change the culture that they lived in. I think the early church had a lot of stuff that they did right. Amen? They did a lot of stuff good. In fact, we're basing the model of churches today, at least we should be, on the structure that, um, that Jesus gave and on a lot of the things that we see happening in the early church, especially in the book of Acts. So if you have your tablets or your phones, um, if you would, open them up to the book of Acts. If you got your Bibles, if you're still rocking the paperback stuff, hey, there's nothing wrong with that. Paperbacks don't crash. Amen? Don't <laughs> worry about that. But I want to walk us through some scripture this morning and give us a quick overview of what the early church had going on because they did a lot of powerful things. And I believe they did a lot of powerful things because they were obedient to what Jesus had asked them to do. These shirts, by the way, are going to be available um, through the whole time we, we do this series. We thought it would be a cool idea for us just as a sign of unity, man, what? To, to step up and, and get shirts that carry out the vision that we're proclaiming that God has for the church, to love all and serve all. There's a lot that falls into those two statements yeah. with worship and outreach and, and how we do things and what happens here as a church body and community and how we love one another and how we love those outside the four walls of this church. So it's going to be a great series. But if you want to pick up one of these shirts, we're selling them, I think, at cost. Or, right, or just maybe a dollar above cost. I think we paid nine or ten bucks for these shirts to have them made. I think we're selling them for ten bucks. So uh, we're not getting rich off of it. We just thought it would be a cool way for us as a church to jump on board with the vision of what God is walking us through over the next few weeks. So if you get a chance, run out there and grab one. They're ten bucks. If you don't have ten bucks, um, maybe hopefully you know somebody that's got ten bucks so, <laughs> so you can get a shirt. I'm not saying some of y'all would try to cheat the system, but I know some of y'all. Um, hopefully after what God has done in the service today, you won't be cheating the system. <laughs> I just can't. I gave all my money in the offering. We'll figure that out. But if you can, they'll be, they'll be available after service and over the next couple of weeks. Um, if we don't have your size today or next time, uh, just let us know. And if we have enough, we'll order some more so everybody can get one of these cool shirts. I'm excited about it because I get to wear a t-shirt while I'm preaching today. <laughs> so my wardrobe choices over the next few weeks are going to be simple. Jeans and the uh, love all, serve all shirt. That's going to be awesome. So I'm excited about that. Uh, I may wear this for the rest of the year <clears throat> just to keep the vision out there. I'm a t-shirt and jeans kind of guy anyway, you know. And t-shirt and jeans people, let me hear you in the house this morning. Yeah, I hear you. Nothing wrong with dressing up, but Golly, I love t-shirt and jeans. Uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 42, we look at 
a really good picture of the early church interacting with each other. Verse 42 says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property. Oh, I just lost my... There we go. They sold property. See, if I had a paper Bible, it wouldn't have jumped ahead like that. Um, they were together, had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. That's amazing to me. That says a lot about their heart right there. If that's all we knew about the early church, I would be way impressed with the early church. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. That sounds like a fun group of people to hang out with. People were getting healed. They were having fun. If somebody had a need, they were breaking the bank and selling stuff to take care of each other. You know, they, they, uh, they were reaching their community. It says that the Lord was adding daily those who were being saved. That's, that's a busy church. I would have loved to have been a part of that. There was a lot that they had going on. Man, there was so much I wanted to preach on this morning and, and build this up, but I believe God's done so much in us today that I just want to go over three things that I saw as I was praying and, and preparing for the message today that I saw the early church doing that I think is real important for us to get right as a body of believers. Because there's a world out there that's counting on us to be the church. Right. Not just to get together and have church, yeah. but there's a world out there that's counting on us to be the yeah. church. Yeah. That's something that we can't afford to get wrong. Because it's more, there's more involved than what happens to you and what happens to me and what we can collectively get out of what we would call a church gathering. Yeah. There's so much more than that. There's so, Jesus' vision for the church was so much bigger than that. Um, he was concerned about what happens to us and how we're equipped and how we grow. And I think it's very important for us to benefit from the ministry of the church. But there's a whole world out there that needs to know about Jesus. And it's important for us to get what we do right so that we can be the example and the practical hands of ministry that Jesus intended for his church to be, to not only minister to us, but to minister to them. And I believe how we minister to one another dramatically impacts the credibility that we have as a church as we go to minister to other people. Because the number one complaints, or the top complaints you'll hear from people about churches is, one, we're all a bunch of what? Hypocrites. We're all a bunch of hypocrites, yep. And when you talk to a lot of people, especially in the South, they no longer go to church because they went to church once. <laughs> they, they went to church once. They saw what it was all about, and they experienced, not all of them, but some of them experienced uh, a judgmental attitudes, and they saw some hypocrisy, and they, they, they experienced judgmental stuff, and a lot of people got hurt, and they left. A lot of people in the South especially don't go to church because they got hurt in church. Now, that could be legitimate or illegitimate, but I believe that if we're operating properly as a church, loving, forgiving, in unity, doing all the stuff we're fixing to talk about, I believe that puts us in a beautiful position to look different. 
And when we look different the way Jesus wants us to look different, it catches the eyes of the people from the outside looking in because they're not used to seeing people care about other people in a real way. Um, and I, I think that sets us apart. And I think when they come in the doors of this church, they should see a group of people that love each other and forgive each other and restore one another and build each other up because the love of God flows through us to everyone that we see. Amen? Amen. All right, I'm rambling a little bit. Let's look at um, some of the things that we see in the early church. And the first thing is this. You see in the early churches that they were together. They were together. They were a tight-knit bunch of people. They were together. If you look at Acts uh, 2, verse 42, they're going to put it up on the screen for you. You'll see, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. These guys were together. It also says that they met daily and in each other's homes. They were together. They were together. Guys, as a church body, we need to make sure that we are together. We've got to be together. There is something powerful that happens when we're together. When we're together corporately. Now, you can experience the presence of God on your own in your own relationship with him at home. I get that. But I tell you what, what we experienced this morning, that happens when we're together corporately. When God moves through us as we're obedient to follow his leading and people step out in obedience to his prompting and are obedient to give the, 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 the messages in tongues and the words of prophecy and the interpretations, that happens in a corporate setting. So when we're together, powerful things can happen. The devil knows this. The devil knows this. And he's throwing a pretty good monkey wrench in the church today, I think. And that he's gotten us as church people, church people, as Christians, um, very busy in life outside of our church family. We're very busy. It's a fast-paced culture that we live in. And he'll try to get us distracted and sidelined because he knows if he can keep us from being together, then he can rob us of the corporate benefit that we can give to one another. If he can separate us, he can isolate us. If he can isolate us, he can take us out real easy. I always get concerned when I see someone's church attendance drop or I see someone not participating in, in the fellowships that we have and the things. Because I know when we're not together, then we're missing out on things. We become easy targets. And it's usually not too long before a person that's separated from the fellowship of the body becomes quickly inconsistent in their walk with God quickly gets offended over something that somebody says, and it's just it's the perfect opportunity for the enemy to come in. So we've got to be, if we want to be as effective as God wants us to be as a church, we've got to make sure that we're following the model that he set and that we are gathering together. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. On Sundays, on um, on first Wednesdays, on Braves games, making sure we get our students to hype nights. It's important for us to be together. Hebrews chapter uh, 10 actually gives us a pretty good, um, pretty good warning on this. In Hebrews 10, 23 through 25, it says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. 
awesome things happen when I get around you guys. You know why? Because I can have a bad week and walk in here and see smiling faces and you guys encourage me and I can walk out of here on another level. Y'all know what it's like to just walk in after a whole week of please leave me alone? Like, don't talk to me. I need coffee and quiet. Just don't say a word to me. I just need to pray before I stop. Yeah, it, we all have weeks like that sometimes. And us coming together, man, I don't know how many times. Y'all are, some of y'all are laughing a little too hard at that. That's a little too real, right? It, but I have weeks like that sometimes. I know you have weeks like that sometimes. When we get around each other, we can encourage one another. We can spur one another on to good deeds. We can help ourselves get over our weeks. We can help ourselves get over our days. Listen, encouraging one another, I'm telling you, that's one of the most important gifts we can give to one another. You can speak biblical truth over me, and I love it. You can even rebuke me if I'm jacking up, and I, I love that too. But if you can breathe wind into my cells, oh my goodness, I just give you a bear hug because there's so rare outside the walls of this church. That's why I tell our leadership team that we want to make sure that we treat everyone that walks in the doors of this church just like they're a first-time guest. Whether they're here for the first time, literally, or they've been here for 20 years, we want to treat them with the same love and respect and attention that we would give to somebody the first time they walk through these doors, hoping they'll come back for 20 years in a row. Because we want them to feel the love of God. It's important for us to be together as a body of believers. Amen? When you look at the early church, another thing that you see in them that's really powerful to me is that because they were together so much, you see that they were unified and devoted. They were unified and devoted. This was a tight-knit group of people that were focused on the mission that Jesus had given to them. Because when Jesus is our focus... His mission becomes our mission. And when we all focus on His mission as a church, we become unified. When we're focused on the mission that Jesus gave us to reach the lost, to minister to the hurting, to reach out to our community, to love and serve one another, when we're focused on that mission, unity becomes a natural byproduct because we're all in line behind the vision that Jesus gave His church. Amen? This is what I've noticed. That focused people and busy people, they don't get distracted very easily. And you don't see a lot of dissension and backbiting in a group of people that are busy doing what they've been called to do. The moment we take our focus off of the mission that Jesus has called us to as a church, that's when all the junk that causes so many pastors to quit so many people in ministry to walk away, that's when all that stuff starts to surface because the people are bored, and bored people cause trouble. I just, I can't, I, we just be honest? Look, when you guys that have kids, if you can keep them focused and keep them playing and keep them doing homework and keep them entertained, they're less likely to, dis- to kill each other and destroy your house. Am I just telling the truth? It parallels to the church in a real way. When we're focused, we're less likely to kill each other and destroy the house. Um, <laughs> uh, because when we're not focused on, on Jesus and his mission, then we become focused on whether or not we like the worship style. 
we become whether or not we become focused on whether or not we like the videos or whether or not we like the burgundy chairs that we've had. Praise God for burgundy chairs that have lasted since nineteen what ninety eight something like that. I mean that's awesome. It's just I feel like we should have another chapter like something added to the Bible. It's, you know where it says that the sandals of the children of Israel did not wear out the whole time they're under the chairs of Life Point Church did not wear out. Through the whole time of their journey. When we have a new building and 10,000 people coming to this church, I'm going to set up a special memorial in the foyer of a single burgundy chair with a spotlight on it that says, God is faithful. Because these chairs will not die. Like They'll get creaky, they'll fall apart, and some of the threading's coming out of them. But I'll tell you, these jokers are together. I love it. I hope I age half as well as these chairs have aged. That's all I'm saying. We get focused on crazy stuff like that um, when we're not focused on the mission that Jesus has called us to be focused on. Ephesians chapter 4, I think Paul writes this beautifully in Ephesians 4, um, verse 1. He says, As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. I want to read that again. Just, he says, don't just, don't just be a little humble or gentle. He's like, guys, if you're going to do what I'm fixing to ask you to do, you're going to have to be completely humble, completely gentle, and completely patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Peace and unity is extremely important to us as a church because if we don't have that, we're not going to be effective in reaching our community for Jesus Christ. We can't be factioned off and divided as a church. We've got to be focused on Jesus and allow that focus on Jesus to burn in our hearts until His mission and His heart becomes our mission and our heart. And when we get that individually, then corporately as a church, we're focused on that and we're able to do so much more together than we would if we all just came in here and sat down and did our own thing and walked out the door and that was the end of it. Guys, I believe God wants to use this church to impact this community. And if we're going to do it, we're going to have to do it in unity. We're going to have to be unified because we're devoted to Jesus first. Amen? Amen? So they were together, and they were unified. And another thing that I thought was powerful is because they were together, and they were unified, and Jesus was first. It, you see something in, in Acts chapter 2. Media, I know I'm jumping around. In Acts 2, verse 46 and 47, they'll put that up on the screen. You see this. Every day they can continue to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God, enjoying all the favor of all the people. So they're getting together. They're fellowshipping. They're having church. They're getting taught. They're getting equipped. They're, they're getting together in, in each other's homes, and they're, they're hanging out and getting to know one another. But I know that they were focused on the mission that God had given them because of this last line. They didn't get caught up and just focus on being together. It says, the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. That tells me the church was focused on doing the mission of the church. It's a powerful statement right there. I would love for our church to be together, to be hanging out 
every time the doors are open that we're here, letting God speak to us, worshiping Him because He's worthy, because He's worthy, because He's worthy. Amen. Amen. Worshiping Him with all of our heart, going to the Braves game, going to hype nights, all that's important. But if we take our eyes off the greater mission of the church, it's all for nothing. And what we've got is a glorified country club. All we've got is a social gathering. If people aren't being saved, what's the stinking point? You know what I mean? So I said we get unified like we never have before. And we get devoted to Jesus like we never have before. So that we can reach people like we never have before. Amen? So they were together. They were unified and devoted. And this is what's powerful to me. And this is, I'm so glad what happened today happened today because it just echoes what I'm about to share with you. They served and they loved like family. When you look at the early church, they were a close-knit group. I mean, look at the stuff that they did in Acts chapter 2, verse 44. Um, put that on the screen, guys, if you don't mind. Look at, what, look at this radical love and servant's heart that they had for each other. All the believers were together, and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. When was the last time you thought, wow, uh, John Smith or John Doe lost his job and he's trying to provide for his family? I think I'll go sell that five acres I've got and give it so that through the church we can help provide for one of our own families. That's radical love. That's family Jesus died to establish a church that was more than just a gathering together of believers. It's the heart of God and the heart of Jesus that we love each other like family. That we serve one another like family. That we have each other's backs like family. Now let that sink in for a second. Well, Josh, how... I get that, but how are you going to prove that? Well, in Galatians 5, um, verse 13, Paul writes this. Now, this is speaking specifically to the church. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but don't use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Speaking directly to the church, serve one another humbly, in love. When Jesus was speaking to his disciples on his intention for our interaction with one another, in John chapter 13, Jesus said this, A new command I give you. He's talking to his disciples. He's talking to the church. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Now, you can read over that, and that sounds awesome. It's like, yeah, God wants us to love each other. Jesus said love one another, and that's how people are going to know that we're his followers and we're his disciples because we love one another. But I want to do a little bit of digging in this verse while we're here together this morning. Can we do that a little bit? When Jesus uses the word love here, there's several different meanings for the word love, but this specific time when Jesus used it, he's using a type of love called agape love. Agape love, which is a selfless, 
love, an unconditional love, usually ascribed to God and His interaction towards us. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. God, agape, unconditionally loved us and gave His Son, Jesus. This is what Jesus is talking about here. He says, I want you to agape, to unconditionally love one another. That's different than the love we're used to giving to people. Because I can love you if you're nice to me. I can even love you if we have differences of opinion on football teams. (laughs) On politics, I can love you. I can love you if I, I can sit down. If you're a vegan, I can sit down and I can have some meat and watch you eat your vegan plate and we can get along just fine. You know, um, but to love you unconditionally. That's that's different than just socially getting along with somebody. That's being sacrificial in our love because agape also has a sacrificial tone to it. Unconditionally giving. That's the tone Um, that's carried in that word love. But Jesus, in this verse, gets a little deeper because he didn't just use the word agape here. He uses a word called agapeo. And there's a difference between the two. Because agape is like love as a noun, love in concept. You know, I love you in concept. I love you in philosophy. I agree with the principle of loving you. But when Jesus was speaking here, He gave the word agapeo, which is a verb. He's very intentional here. He goes, I don't want you to just love each other in principle. I want you to love each other in action. And because you put that unconditional love into action towards one another, people are going to see it and notice the difference. And they'll recognize me in you because the love that you're loving each other with It's not natural on this earth. It's a supernatural love that only God can put in your heart for somebody else. That's what he's... Isn't that powerful? So when we interact with one another, it's supposed to be agapeo. Unconditional love for each other. Not just a gathering of people that get together because they want to hear some crazy short dude preach or they believe in the ministries of the church, you know, or they like the band or they like somebody that you like hanging out with the people that are here. That's important. But he says, listen, they're going to recognize I'm doing awesome things in you because of how you treat each other, because of how you serve one another. I don't know how many times as a pastor it makes my heart so happy when I see one of us go through a tough time, not that I'm happy they're going through a tough time, but when we go through tough times, that our church is so quick to rally around one another to help each other out. Now, I'm not saying we're perfect with it. I'm not saying we knock it out of the park every time, but I see a basic desire in us to serve one another. We had a family go through some stuff not too long ago, and I watched a small army from our church go over to their house and pick up trash and do hedges and repair water leaks and just serve and and just meet practical needs and families. And when people lose loved ones, I watch our church get together to love on those people and, and provide meals and serve and to do what we can do to take the pressure off of families. When we go through hard times, I see us praying for one another. I love that because that means that we are doing agape. We're loving the way God wants us to love. Wouldn't it be awesome 
If everyone in this church operated this way towards everyone in this church. Because we're family, guys. We're family. And if we don't get this right as a church, man, we're messing up. We're messing up. Because when people come through those doors, they need to know that they're loved. And they need to see love from us to each other. That's how they're going to know that we're followers of Jesus. So, agapeo, love in action, not just in concept. I don't just love you, but I love you by serving you. I love you by doing for you. I love you by praying for you. I love you by interceding for you. I love you by finding out what I can do to be a blessing to your life actively, not passively, but actively looking for ways to serve one another. That's how a church is supposed to look. And I praise God that I see that heart in so many of us here. It's my, it's my desire to see it in everyone here because I believe we should be a family. Amen? Amen. I'm going to ask the ushers, if you will, please go ahead and prepare to serve our beautiful people. I thought it would be awesome on the tail end of talking about loving each other and being a church family that maybe we honor God and celebrate being a family by taking communion together. Sound good to you guys? So ushers, if you will, quickly, let's serve our people. They're going to serve you the elements, and I want to walk us through communion in a few moments as we close in service. Hasn't today been just a great time in the presence of God? I love this. I love this. As the men are serving you and preparing to serve you, I thought it would be cool, too, if we did something a little bit different this week. Because to come together and have a great service is great. To come together and have a a preacher guy talk about love all, serve all, and loving and serving one another, and agapeo love in action in practical ways towards each other. I thought it would be cool, though, if as a pastor, I put a challenge out to us as a church for every day this week to do something to practically show love for each other. Does that scare anybody? It shouldn't. So this is what, this is what I've done. Um, don't let the guys distract you as they're serving you. This is what I've done. Okay, On social media this week, every night starting tonight at 6.30 a challenge is going to pop up on our church's Facebook page. Thank you so much. And it's going to be practical things that we can do to serve one another. And it's going to be something as simple as one time we're just going to pray for each other pray or pray for specific people in the church, pray for each other's needs. Um, you might get challenged to shoot somebody an encouraging text or email or just give them a phone call and say, Hey, I was thinking about you. Just wanted to let you know. I love you. God loves you. Hey, is there anything I can pray with you about that's going on in your life? Wouldn't you love to get a random text message or a phone call just to encourage you sometime this week? Right about maybe around Tuesday or Wednesday when the boss is getting on your nerves a little bit. You had a few days of traffic. Wouldn't it be awesome to get some encouragement from somebody in this church? 
See, I don't want us to just agree together on a philosophy. We say, yes, a philosophy is we should actively love one another. No, 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 no. We're going to do agapeo. As a church, I want to see us put this into action. Well, I don't have Facebook. Look, find somebody that does. It would be great. It would be a great opportunity to meet somebody, to hang out with somebody. And y'all can at 6.30, hop on Facebook, go to the church's page. Have, has everyone in here been to our church's Facebook page? Hey, if you haven't been there, go there um, and give us a like. It would be awesome. So every, every day this week, starting today, starting this evening at 6.30, a challenge is going to pop up to give us a chance to practically love each other as a church. Can we do that as a church body? I know you got your hands full of grape juice and, and, and little wafer pieces. Um, let's do this. If you'll do it, say, I'll do it. It's going to be fun. This is going to be a great week of us loving and serving each other. Next week, it's going to be awesome. I want you guys to be here. It's going to be a powerful time. Listen, we should be together. Amen? Because when we're together, we get unity. And I would love for us to be together and in unity on where God is leading us as a church through this series to love all and serve all so that we can be the church that Jesus envisioned for the church to be. If you will, please stand.